welcome to this episode. I have a couple updates because I haven't really um, been on here in a while. But uh, today's episode is with someone that is very, very inspirational. He's an entrepreneur, athlete, and petroleum engineer. And he started an energy drink called Revita Energy Tea. If you want to go check them out, you can go to their website at uh, revitalize.com. And I'll just spell it out for you. It's R-V-I-I-T-A-L-I-Z-E.com. I also have all the links in the description and show notes below here. Other than that, though, updates with Zenfulness is I'm working on a Zenith um, area on the blog. So if you want to go sign up to that, you can go, um, you know, go opt in with your email. And once I have that released, you guys will have access to it. And other than that, let's jump into this podcast episode. Uh, it was a really good one. I learned a lot. And there's a there's a real like go-getter spirit that Mitch has that is is really inspiring. So we'll just jump into that right now. Welcome to the Zenfulness Podcast. This is going to be episode number 34. And I'm here with an entrepreneur, someone who's a real go-getter and, you know, creating a lot of different things in the world. And his name is Mitch Jacobson. And I guess we'll just jump into this episode. And I have my first question where I'm just going to hand over the mic to him and let him do a brief introduction uh, about who he is. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Well, first, I just want to thank you. It's an absolute honor to be on the podcast. I've been consuming a lot of your content these last few days. And I tell you, your listeners are very blessed to have the message that you're giving them every day. So a little bit about me. I'm a petroleum engineer by trade, but I'm starting a healthy energy drink, an energy tea company. So the premise of what the drink is, is you know, we've all been there. It's three in the afternoon and you're exhausted, right? But you have this huge to, to-do list to do and you just need a little pick-me-up. You're looking down, you're in the coffee mug and now you got to decide if you're going to go wait in line for that third cup coffee that day. But it's hot out, it's not convenient. You know, it's not even going to be the most enjoyable, but what else is there? And that's what Revita Energy Tea is. So it's this revitalizing, delicious blend of tea, organic honey and vitamins meant to restore your day. And it comes in innovative, low-carbon footprint, recyclable beverage pouches. It's a really innovative new packaging format that um, can be shipped flat. It takes up less space and ultimately leads to less boats, less planes, less trucks. It's less emissions. So we're really trying to innovate, and we're, we're based out of Calgary, Alberta here. Yeah, and, and then when I looked at like the Instagram page of Revita, like, I, I thought it was such an interesting idea because it, it's like a – like the packaging behind it, the marketing and like even that like mountaineering theme behind it. I was like, wow, like I've never seen an energy drink. That's even, it doesn't even looks like that. Like the pack, it doesn't even look like an energy drink. Like the packaging is different and everything. And um, I guess I'm just curious, like, how did you, like, how, how did you really get the idea to do this thing? <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, I think the idea really, it goes back to my childhood roots, but how the healthy energy drink ideas sort of came about was when I was 19 years old, my best friend, he worked on the oil rigs and he got into this culture of drinking like six or seven energy drinks a day. And (laughs) I was with him one day and I actually had to take him to the hospital because he had a a heart attack at 21 years old, partially induced by these energy drinks. Oh, and really? so, yeah, isn't that wild? And yeah, well, that, I, 
Yeah, that's crazy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this 21-year-old having a heart attack. And it wasn't all due to the energy drinks that he was drinking. There were some other factors involved there, but it was, it was partially attributed yeah. to that. And then a couple of years later, I had another good friend who won a pack of energy drinks at a concert, and he left them in his garage for the winter. Well, the things froze and the cans broke and spilled all over the ground. Well, when he went to pick up the case in the summertime, the energy drink had corroded away some of the concrete. <laughs> so I remember thinking, this is a problem. Like people are drinking this every day. And yeah. at the time I just got out of school, I was working really long hours and I started getting into drinking them and I wasn't feeling good. It just wasn't, I was getting heartburn and having sleeping issues. And so I tried to find a healthier alternative and I couldn't find one. And so that's really where the idea came of creating this healthy, um, natural energy drink that's based on real food, real ingredients, caffeine from natural sources and putting it in a package that was totally different and branding it totally different to these, you know, extreme sports, motorcycle riding kind of brands. So that's where the idea sort of came from. Yeah. And that's, that's so interesting. I know when I, I used to drink a lot of energy drinks because I was like a hardcore League of Legends gamer at one point. Yes. But uh, the, day, the day I stopped, yeah, the day I stopped, I was actually drinking some of, I think it was like a, a NOS energy drink. And I felt like with my tongue, the inside of my tooth and a part of my like tooth like eroded away. And that's the day I like, put it down. I was like, well, I cannot drink this. Like, I don't know what's in it, but like if it's destroying my teeth that bad, like it's probably destroying my insides that bad. That's but, crazy. Um, yeah. But uh, I guess like coming back to you, Mitch, like what are, especially like building like a, like a, an energy drink business or a health, healthy tea, like there's a lot of like creative energy that you like put into this thing and like an entrepreneurial spirit. Like how do you think someone can develop like some of those mindsets? Because I think that's rare, you know, to just see an energy drink like that, know that there's you could do it better and then actually going out and you know doing it what a great question jeremy and that's the hardest part getting started was so difficult so it's uh, it's been two years in the making we haven't quite launched yet but we're really close we're just waiting for our health canada approval which should come any day but i had that same problem you know two years ago when i kind of came up with the idea i've been in oil and gas you know my entire career i have no <laughs> beverage experience whatsoever how the heck am I going to start this thing? And it really came down to just taking that first step. And I read this book at the time called the five second rule. Have you ever heard of that, Jeremy? Uh, the five second rule. I'm just writing it down. I think you told me about that book actually. Yeah. It's the five second rule by Mel Robbins. And basically the premise of the book is all day. We have these, this little voice in our head that tells us that we should be doing things right and we ignore it most of the times. Like an example she uses in the book is you walk by a gym and a lot of people think, well, you know, I should really go to the gym. But then yeah. they just dismiss that thought. And I was having these thoughts all the time. I should really start my business. I, should, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I should really start. And I always use the someday excuse, right? Someday when X happens, I'll start my business. Well, I had this epiphany one day that someday is never going to come. Someday is right now. Someday is today. And I just had this moment in my life where I just decided someday is going to be right now. And the very first thing that I did is I went on Amazon because I had no idea about the beverage business. And I ordered a book on how to start a beverage company. 
and that was step one <laughs> two years ago. Holy, that is crazy. Yeah, so I read this book <laughs> probably five times, and I made a, a commitment to myself that I was going to do one thing a day, just one thing to get the business going every single day, no matter what, before I went to bed, I was going to do one thing. And at the beginning, I didn't even know where to start. So at the beginning, it was just reading 10 pages of that book a day. And then it became, it's, uh, it's called build your beverage empire. It's very outdated. Um, yeah, as far as a book, I would, would I recommend it? It's, it's interesting for sure. Um, it didn't help me in a lot of ways. Like it's not like a roadmap for starting the business, but it gave me some ideas of where to get started at least. Mm -hmm. And so I read this book and then I started a business plan and I still didn't know what to do. Then I read the book again. And the one thing I got out of this book was there's companies out there, third party companies that can help you that have food scientists that can help you create your product. Like it's not the most efficient thing to be mix it up drinks in your, in your um, kitchen. So that was kind of where it started. I interviewed a whole bunch of companies throughout the States and Western Canada. And I finally found one that started working with me to help develop the product. And then things kind of advanced from there. So that's a long winded answer to your question, but I would just say, start now. Don't use the someday excuse because it's, it's so easy to use that someday excuse. And then all of a sudden 10 years go by and then it never happens. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think even with like the beverage industry, like it's, that, like the science behind that, I didn't, that didn't even cross my mind. But like, like that must be like, how, how do you even deal with that area? Like blending and, you know, learning about how to mix these things and getting the right taste. Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm already overwhelmed thinking about all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I know exactly how you feel. I still feel that way every day. And the, the answer is one step at a time. So yeah. for me, it was literally, I bought every energy drink on the market. I still have it like a, a big box in my basement with probably 300 energy drink cans in there. And oh yeah, I know. So I've done the research. I've drank a lot of energy drinks <laughs> researching this. And I started by just making a list of the ingredients that were in these energy drinks and researching them. And what's the benefits of this ingredient? What makes this, what might make this um, not be healthy or be unhealthy and I created this big list and every day I would just do a little bit of research. And then that's sort of how the tea caffeine from tea kind of came to be. And I try to find better, healthier alternatives to what were in these energy drinks, things that were more natural that people were drinking every day anyways. And that's how it came to be. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just started with Dr. Google and a book and took her one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's how like so many great businesses nowadays start just with someone who just dives into Google, gets a book and just, just goes at it. Like I, I'm pretty sure Elon Musk, like he, he's a lot like that. Like he self-taught himself a lot of things and he was just like kind of a go-getter like that. But yeah, um, exactly. So Mitch, yeah. <laughs> so Mitch, uh, what are your thoughts on like caffeine in like, I'm kind of, I'm like a coffee addict right now, like in the morning and the evening I, I need it. But, but what do you think about caffeine and, you know, how does it relate to Revita and stuff? Great question. So I think caffeine is phenomenal. I love caffeine. And if you research caffeine and I've done a lot of this, there's so many health benefits to it. There's, mm -hmm. I'm not going to quote a bunch of them, but there's health, there's heart benefits, there's energy benefits, obviously 
it's it's great for you and it's the most widely used ingredient i believe or one of them in the world but i believe that if you're going to be consuming caffeine it should be coming from natural sources right so a lot of these energy drinks they have synthetic caffeine they're putting in them um they have a whole bunch of chemicals to go along with that caffeine like i can't even i don't even know what half of the ingredients are in most of these energy drinks you buy out of a store so what we yeah, did with Vita, yeah is, is the caffeine it comes from guarana seed so a seed that originates in brazil and then black tea so probably the most widely used beverage in the world we're just using the caffeine from that and guarana seeds so we have a natural base to the product and then we don't add a whole bunch of sugars. We only have 30 calories per serving. And that 30 calories comes from a little bit of strawberry juice and organic honey. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so like, I know with like the macros and stuff, um, cause I, I know you, you, you had a, like a fitness background and an athletic background and would you kind of contribute some of Revita starting like the next step after your, with, like the next evolution of your fitness background because I, I remember you did like a lot of like bodybuilding and then I think before then you did uh like basketball and athletics and different sports but um if you go back to those days uh how much do you think that has contributed to Revita man what a what a great question and the answer is it 100% contributed to Revita so to back up a little bit I, I did play some high-level basketball, and for a number of reasons, it didn't work out. When I got out of, out of high school, I decided to focus on my education. And mm-hmm. because I was playing so much basketball, I was used to being able to eat whatever I wanted. But when I was 20 years old, first year of university, I didn't gain the freshman 10. I gained the freshman 40. I absolutely ballooned. I got really out of shape, um, felt awful and because I, I didn't understand nutrition. And that's how I sort of got into the natural bodybuilding men's physique world started dieting. I competed in a show. And so I really developed this great nutritional background, but I also saw the benefits of what healthy eating can do for you. Cause I developed better energy. I started, I had sleeping problems my whole life and now all of a sudden I'm sleeping better. Eating better food absolutely changed my life. And yeah. so that really contributed to the whole birth of Revita because I had this nutrition background. I saw what was in conventional energy drinks and even these other energy drinks that claim to be healthy, they're still full of sugar. And I thought we can do this better. We can create something that's macro friendly that, you know, bodybuilders or fitness addicts can use, but also just the everyday person can use to keep them going at the office or on that hike to the mountains. Yeah. It's so interesting, like looking at different entrepreneurs, because I know a lot of good entrepreneurs have like a sports background or like a competitive athletic background. And I think a lot of that is like, I look up to this guy a lot called Greg Plitt. And yes. just thinking of, yeah, I love that guy so much because like what I learned from him was like, if you can change your body, you actually can like change your mind and you can like change things outside of like in the world. Right. So like if you can transform your body, like in the gym, then you can go out and like, you know, apply those same principles to other areas. Like let's say you're building an, an, uh, a nutrition drink. You can, you know, change some factors there. And, um, yeah, I love great Plitt too. And I think there's the parallels between entrepreneurialism and sports. I mean, it is, they're, they're virtually the same process just with different outcomes at the end. You know, it, it takes commitment and passion every single day. And, 
there's going to be days where you're punched in the face and you've, you know, your body's beat up or your mind's beat up in entrepreneurialism and you don't feel like keep going. And it's, it's getting out of bed and it's going to those 5am workouts or, you know, answering those emails at five in the morning. That's what makes all the difference is just those little things. I think Greg Plitt always said, um, if you never say, Oh, what's the quote? I think it's like, if you, if you never say good enough, today you all have it us yes i love that quote and i think those are words to live by if you never cut corners and you always strive to do the absolute best that you can do whether it's in athletics or in entrepreneurialism at the end of the day you're you're going to succeed just like greg says mm-hmm. yeah and, and i think that even coming back to revida it's like for me i'm 24 years old but i think it's such like starting a a business like that it's such like a big idea and like it's probably like really um intimidating at first but once you get into it then you start to pick at it and eventually it's the same principles as like kind of in the gym like you know working on the spots you need to work on um but i'm kind of curious what so far what have you found difficult with building this uh like w- what struggles do you have so far with it Oh, another great question. And the answer to that is everything is way harder and costs more money and takes more time than you expect it's going to take. Uh, when I first came up with the Revita idea and I had a business plan, I thought that I was going to be to market in eight months and it was going to cost X amount of money. And it's two years later now, so it's three times as much time and it's easily three times as much money. And it's just there's so much adversity and there's so many things that continually go wrong. You know, a lot of people say, you know, entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, you're a, you're a professional firefighter because you're just putting out fires all day. And I never really <laughs> understood that until I started Revita because that's really what it is. You know, you're dealing with these manufacturers and they make a mistake or something doesn't get shipped on time. Or I'll give you an example right now. I ordered 10,000 packages for our first production run. And Health Canada came back to me a couple days after I ordered it and they want to change something on the package. So now I have 10,000 packages that (laughs) potentially I can't use. So there's just little things like that. You're constantly making mistakes and you have to just learn from those, those mistakes, not get too down on yourself and just keep pushing forward. And it's hard, but if you take it a day at a time and you don't get too overwhelmed, you over time, you start to make incredible progress. So Mitch, um, how would you say that someone could build their persistence? Like, let's say maybe they're, they want to step into the gym or maybe they have a business idea and they just don't have that persistence behind them. But like, what do you, what do you do to have like, be so persistent at this? Yeah, that's, that's the toughest part, isn't it? Is just developing the persistence. How do you do it every single day? And I've gotten in and out of, of these good habits, but the way I like to look at it is success is about building the small daily habits. It's the small things that matter and to build a habit, it takes discipline at first, but over time it gets easier. You know, it's like going to the gym. If, if you haven't worked out for a long time, those first couple of weeks are really going to suck, right? You're going to be sore. You're not going to want to do it, but then you start to get in a routine and then it kind of becomes a little bit more fun. And then it's a little bit easier. I think persistence is the same thing. It's just a skill and you have to force yourself in the beginning to just power through small daily, simple tasks. That's what I do. I wake up every morning and I create a task list of five things that I got to do that day. 
And as long as I get those five small things done, they might only take an hour. I feel like I won that day. I made a little bit of progress. And once you do that for enough time, you develop the habit of just getting those things done. And you, you really start to grow that persistence muscle because it is a skill that's, that's developed. I guess like how you, for your habits, like your daily habits, like you wake up and um, could you kind of run us through your, like what a typical day of Mitch, Mitch would look like? Absolutely, Jeremy. So I've, I've, I try and model my day and my habits out after very successful people. So one of my success mentors is Andy Frisella. He has the MFC oh, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, like I've listened to his podcast before. He's he's pretty hardcore. <laughs> he is very hardcore, and uh, I really relate to him. I, I like what he does, and so I've taken a lot of my daily habits off of him, but also off of my dad, and then the company that I work for, the CEO of that company. I try and model all my daily habits after after them. So the first thing I do in the morning, I just started doing this, is I have a cold shower. This comes from Andy Frisella. And it is one of the most uncomfortable, terrible things to do, especially at 5 a.m. in the morning. But what it does, yeah, it trains your body and it trains your mind to start being comfortable doing uncomfortable things. Like when I, when I first did it, it's like 10 seconds, man, I'm running out of the shower and now, you know, I've worked my way up to two minutes and it's, it's terrible. What it does is it wakes your body up and you start training your body to, and your mind to deal with uncomfortable situations because that's how you grow. Um, And then I go through stretching in the morning and I try and write down three things that are different from the day before that I'm grateful for is I've, I've done a lot of studying on how to be happy, how to be a positive person and and being grateful and thinking about the things that you're grateful for goes a long way with your happiness. So that's first thing in the morning. Then when I get to the office, it's usually around six o'clock in the morning. I write down my goals uh, so in my financial goals, I write those down first thing in the morning. I think that you should revisit your goals every day. And then I do the power list. This comes from Andy Frisella. So it's five simple daily tasks that you need to do every day. And you, the goal is to do those five tasks, then you win the day. You won that day. And if you start winning enough days in a row, you start developing confidence. You start developing persistence and resilience. And it's amazing what type of progress you can do so that's really my morning routine and uh, i've been doing that for a while now and it's it's just been fantastic it's made a huge difference in my life yeah like i i really like that actually because i think like i I couldn't imagine the cold shower portion i've tried those but like it's eventually i want to get back into it but um i think like it just like it feels like for me the cold shower would be so hard but then you go into like the the gratefulness and that kind of gives you a boost and you you like to keep it kind of simple and that you probably get so much momentum there with like the five, the five things you do and the power list and and absolutely yeah like because I, I I was I, what I would usually do back in the day was I would have these big lists of like twenty things to do and then I would just procrastinate and I wouldn't do anything but you know having a shorter list I think is just so, so smart because it's not as intimidating and you can just jump into something like I think for me where I struggle with procrastination is usually if it feels like overwhelming to get into, like I don't really get into it, but if I like lower like my expectations and like have like less things to do, then I'll naturally kind of jump into it. And then when I start working, I become like more effective because I stay longer. Um, Exactly. No, you hit the nail on the head. If you have, 
if your list is too long, it's too overwhelming, right? And then you never get started. And I really think success in the long run, it comes down to just small, daily, simple tasks. I just read The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Have you read that book, Jeremy? Uh, no, I've heard, I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs read that book. Absolutely incredible book. Totally, totally life changing. And it basically says just that, you know, the, the difference between super successful people and, you know, normal or unsuccessful quote unquote people in the long run is really just small daily, simple tasks. It's reading 10 pages a day of a great book. It's thinking of the things that you're grateful for. It's, you know, those small things that you do to work on yourself. Like the example he uses is, you know, eating that cheeseburger from a fast food joint at lunch today, is that going to kill you today? No. But if you're doing that consistently, could that kill you over time? Absolutely. It could because it compounds over time. And it's the same thing with success habits is reading 10 pages of a great book a day today or this week, or even this month going to change your life. Probably not. But if you do that for two or three or four years in a row, could that change your life and change the trajectory of where you're going? Absolutely, it can because I've witnessed that myself. It's you know my entire business started with a book off of Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like the interesting thing about this, Mitch, is I think you have like a, a like a level of uh, certainty or like the ability to just like even make your own list and like do that. Like I don't think that's common at all. Like because I think that's something that so many great entrepreneurs entrepreneurs have is they're able to actually they, they trust themselves enough i guess to make their own list and to do them and like there's I, like there's a certain level of like trust you need to have with yourself to do that stuff because i think especially like being a business owner like there's no one really telling you what to do it's it's you like you you listening to you like how, how did you really develop that trust with yourself Wow. Yeah. That is a, that is a deep question. (laughs) I love it. No, you ask, uh, you ask phenomenal questions. You really got me thinking. I think it goes back. I can attribute a lot of it to my basketball days and I contributed a lot of it to, you know, I've, I have these two phenomenal parents and my dad has been a real mentor of mine. He's went through a lot and uh, he's a, a very successful entrepreneur now too. So I think I've modeled a lot of his behaviors, but that, that trust in myself, it, I think it really does. It starts with just crossing off some of those simple daily tasks, because when you set small goals or small task lists and you do them, you feel better at the end of the day. You're like, wow, like, you know, I got a small win today. It's not a huge win, but it's a small win. And then you do that again the next day and you're like, okay, I won two days in a row then all of a sudden you win a month, right? Or you win two months and you slowly start to develop this confidence over time with just these small, really simple, easy things to do. They're easy to do, but they're also easy not to do. And if you focus on those small wins, those really simple things that you're doing right, and you choose to control the conversation you have with yourself and focus on those wins and not the losses, not the things you're doing wrong, you develop confidence over time. And I think that's really where the trust in myself comes from. I know I'm going to screw up. I'm going to make a ton of mistakes. I've already made, you know, half a million of them since I started Revita, but there's also a lot of little wins and a lot of little things I'm doing right. And I just choose to focus on those. So so when you make mistakes, how do you like not let them get to you so bad? And how, how do you bounce back from those? That is... I'm still figuring that out because I have a tendency to really beat myself up. I think it's 
I've made so many of them now with Revita. You know, I was just one of my partners. I was just talking with him yesterday about this because, you know, some things went sideways yesterday with some of our packaging testing and whatnot. And you kind of get to a point, you know, at the beginning when you're an entrepreneur and some things go wrong, it's really hard on you. It's really tough to deal with, but then some more stuff goes wrong and you get a little better at dealing with it. And then you get to a point where you've just put out so many fires that you're like, Oh, it's just another fire. I'll just deal with this. Like I'll just, I'll just manage it. It's not a big deal. Things go wrong. They're going to go wrong again. You know, every entrepreneur deals with it. I think it's like anything, you know, like it's like lifting weights, right? Like at first, the 15 pound dumbbells feel heavy, but then over time, you know, then you're using the 70 or the 80 pound dumbbells. It's really just something that you develop. You deal with that better over time by dealing with more of it. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like it's just like those small little, like it just, there's so much momentum there. And I feel like if you make a mistake, it probably doesn't even affect you that much because you just have that trust in yourself and you know, that you can just figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's like a resourcefulness thing. Like just, and and especially even coming back to basketball, like I I was never really good at basketball at all, but I I think even watching the NBA finals recently, like I think there's a certain amount of like resourcefulness that you learn playing team sports. Oh, absolutely. And one of the experiences I think of often with, with basketball is so, kind of the the peak of my basketball career is I got a chance to play on the U17 national team. And Anthony Bennett was there, who was a number one draft pick. Andrew Wiggins was in the gym. Uh, Nick Stelskis. Yeah, these guys that made it to the NBA. And here I am, I was 16 years old at the time, and I'm in the gym guarding. Andrew Wiggins was my defensive matchup. And (laughs) I wasn't near, you know, were these guys way better than me? Absolutely they were. But could I compete with them? Yes, I could. And the reason I could compete with them is I, I gave everything to basketball for my entire teenage years. I, I lived and breathed it and I worked so hard. And, and I think this goes back to the trust question you asked me. I realized that even though I wasn't quite where they were, and these guys were genetic freaks, like it was unbelievable to see athletes at this caliber. And yeah, they were, they were better, but I could still hang with them. And yeah, it made yeah, me realize that, yeah these guys that were the best in the world if you devote everything you have and you become obsessive about whatever it is that you're trying to succeed in with enough time and patience and effort and hard work you can get there and you can compete with the best in the world and i still use that example today if if i give everything to revita and entrepreneurialism and with enough persistence and time and patience and hard work i can get to that level it's just going to take time mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you're like a lot further than you realize. Where'd you learn that type of marketing? Another amazing question. And I really learned by trial and error. So sometime we'll have to sit down. Um, my partner and I, we were, we were going through old photos yesterday and we were laughing. If you saw the first version of Revita, you would laugh. It was in a can, the very first version. And our logo was two lions. <laughs> yeah, and... So the answer is I I sucked when I started. I sucked real bad. And I read this book called The Lean Startup. And have you read it, Jeremy? Uh, No, I'm I'm writing all these books down. The premise of The Lean Startup, it's one of the best, if not the best entrepreneurial book ever written, in my opinion. 
And the premise of the lean startup is when you're creating a business, you're making a hypothesis or a best guess of how the market is going to respond to your business. But you don't really know, right? Like this market, the market is this dynamic thing. And so his, the premise of the book is that you should create a, an MVP, a minimum viable product. You should put it out there for people to see. You maybe even charge the money for it and then take the feedback that you get from the market and iterate make the product better. And that was one thing, even though I really sucked at the beginning, I was okay at that. So I took this concept of the can with a couple of lions on it. And, uh, our first company name was be strong. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I went on a show. Sorry. It doesn't even sound half bad. I like Revita more, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, and that's a whole different story. There was trademark issues and it was, uh, it was an expensive mistake, but I, I took this concept and I showed a bunch of people and got feedback and, you know, I took, you know, some people didn't like the logo and some people didn't like the name and girls thought that it was too masculine. And then, so I iterated again and I came up with another design and another name. And I, and I did that same process over and over and over again until mm-hmm. we, sort of landed on Revita. So, you know, I, I owe it to my friends and family and the people that I, sh- I showed the brand to that really helped me create Revita and create the branding behind it because I just listened to what they had to say and took that feedback and incorporated it into what the product is. Yeah, so it was yeah, really I, just an iterative process, trial and error. And I know like with great like product managers, even in like the tech industry or a lot of even CEOs there, like they love going to customers and just getting feedback and listening to what they're saying and then, and then making those changes. Exactly. Cause I think truly successful entrepreneurs are unselfish. They care about people because entrepreneurialism is really about solving someone's problem, right? That's how, you're, you're solving a problem for someone and in return they're, they're giving you money. And th- that's the way we looked at Revita is this brand needs to be about helping people first and foremost. It's about giving people a better product. It's about building a brand around community and self-improvement and positivity. Like I want everyone who touches or picks up a Revita to feel better. You know, that's ultimately what we're about. So the, what's so important to us and how we built the brand is really just listening to what people want and what the market wants. So I guess as Revita grows, um, are you kind of like what, what uh, things like what problems do you think you'll run into? I think there'll be probably more problems than I could think of. There'll be, you know, we still got to get our supply chain and our manufacturing sorted out. So there'll be some challenges with that. The consumer packaged good beverage beverage industry is all about distribution and get it, you know, you need to get it into a whole bunch of stores, you need to get it out there. That's how these brands are successful. And I think we're going to have a lot of hurdles, you know, going through distribution. Um, it's very difficult to get it into big chain stores. It's very expensive. We're going to have to raise a whole bunch of money. Like, uh, like I was telling you, just to get to where we are now, it took three times as much capital as I was expecting. So I'm sure what I think it's going to cost to get us into, you know, 100 stores is probably going to cost three times as much as what I'm budgeting right now. So it's going to be a lot about raising money, distributing the product, and just challenges getting our supply chain tight and making sure our manufacturing is perfected. 
Wait, so uh, for supply chain, uh, like, what exactly is? I'm like, I don't really know all the terms, but what is, what is supply chain? Oh, for sure. Sorry, I should have clarified. So supply chain is where all your ingredients come from and your packaging. So basically everything that it takes to create your final product is what supply chain is. And this was something going into the beverage industry, I had no idea about. I had no idea about how difficult it is to you know, source all the ingredients that are in your drink. And then you got you to get it shipped. Then a lot of these ingredients come from all over the world. You got to get it shipped to one place. Then you got to find a manufacturer who's able to create your prop, your um, your beverage, and batch it all together. And then you got to find a package manufacturer who can make your package and make it high enough quality and make it really good quality. And then they got to ship it to the same place. So there's all these moving parts behind the scenes that go into a beverage, and it's it's a lot of work and it's quite extensive. And when you get into a big store that's selling through your product. For instance, Seven Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you if they sell through your product and they want more, and you don't have enough inventory to supply it, you're done. Like your your shot with Seven Eleven is blown. So yeah. when I say supply chain, it's making sure that you have enough ingredients on hand at all the, at all times, and then having enough inventory that when you get into a store, you can continually supply them so that they never run out of your product. And it is so much work. Yeah, because I, I know, um, like, I, you know, Christian Guzman? I sure do, absolutely. Yeah, he had an yeah. energy drink up, right? Yeah, he just launched up recently, and he got it into GNCs, and he was so happy. Yes, and that is an incredible accomplishment. So, it's, uh, with, um, I already, or, uh, I'll jump back to you, I guess, sorry, sorry for cutting you off. No, yeah, just to get it into a store like GNC, um, that can cost millions of dollars. You know, big chain stores can charge things called slotting fees. Like just to get it into some grocery stores, for instance, you actually have to pay the store just to be on their shelves. And that was something, again, I had no idea of going into this business. So there's just so many little things that you learn as you, as you take it on and, and start doing things. It's, it's pretty amazing. So a slotting fee, would that be like deposit saying like, you, you like you deposit and then you go into stores and then if they sell out then that's how it works or something or? there is some arrangements similar to that jeremy but it's it's usually just a straight up fee that's not a deposit you don't get it back so okay. <laughs> bob's grocery store and he has a hundred of them across the the country and bob comes to you or you come to bob and you want your drink to be on his shelves and he says well you know i got another 300 companies trying to get my shelf space you know what do you this is the fee and it it, for big enough companies it can be tens of thousands of dollars just to make it on the shelf and then if you don't sell through they'll just get rid of your product and then you're out all that capital so it's uh it's a very competitive game so to, to get it into a big store like gnc that's an incredible accomplishment so, Mitch, which stories would you want to get into? What stores do you want to be in? Yeah, so we're going to go after more of the natural food products, supplement stores. We're going to start with smaller independent retailers that we can bring the, the product to them ourselves. The big chain stores, they generally go through a third-party distributor. So you would ship your product to this distributor, and then the distributor takes it to all the different stores, like a let's say a Safeway or a 7-Eleven. They all go through distributors. The problem with distributors is they're now a middleman to your product. 
So it's, it's quite expensive and you really have to have the economies of scale and you have to raise a lot of money so that you can get your costs down so that you can afford a distributor. So just starting out, we're going to focus on just local uh, independently owned stores and really supporting and helping them. Okay. So yeah, that's, that is amazing. I'm like blown away. Like there's so it's, it's pretty interesting because there's so many steps actually. Like just yeah. thinking about it, it's pretty, like I never realized there's so many moving pieces when you go, like let's say grab bread off the shelf. There's like so many little moving pieces that got it there. Exactly. You know, even something as simple as a bottle of water, right? That's, yeah that bottle had to come from somewhere and it had to get shipped there. And then the water had to make it to their processing facility and it had to be filtered. And then someone's got to put the water in the bottle and then they need a label and then they need, then you need boxes to put the water in or that plastic wrap. Like that's a whole other thing that you're ordering from somebody else. It's uh, there's so many different moving parts. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's, that is crazy. Um, so I, I guess we'll, jump into the end of this i don't want to take too much of your time mitch but um i just have a all couple, the world for you yeah <laughs> yeah i have a couple closing questions for you i like to take these ones from tim ferris or um the school of greatness but i guess i have two for you and the first one is if you had a billboard and you could put one saying on it you know one sentence or or one word what would you put on it and why oh Love this question. I actually have a billboard. I'm looking at it right now. And it says to make millions, you have to impact millions. That is my absolute favorite saying. It's kind of the motto of Revita. And what that means is if you want to have this extraordinary life, if you want to have millions of dollars, you have to help millions of people. You have to have an extraordinary impact on a lot of people. And I learned that from my dad and the, where that saying actually comes from is a book called the millionaire fast lane, which is my all time favorite book. And I think about those words every single day, every morning when I'm getting up, writing down my five tasks, you know, if, if I want to have this extraordinary life and make millions of dollars, it starts with helping one person at a time. Okay. Actually, I guess jumping into books quick, what would you say are your top uh, three books? So the Millionaire Fastlane is by MJ DeMarco is by far my, probably my, it's yeah, by far my all time favorite book. It's absolutely incredible. And that's where that saying comes from. And MJ is uh, he's a very successful entrepreneur and he really breaks down what entrepreneurialism is. Cause I think, you know, nowadays everyone says they're an entrepreneur, right? But true entrepreneurs solve problems and true entrepreneurs help people. And that's kind of the premise of the book. You really just have to read it. It will absolutely change your paradigm and how the, the way you see the world. Um, yeah. My second favorite book is The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy. Incredible book. My father, who's now, uh, he runs an engineering company that has about 100 people. I gave this book to him a little while ago, and he's since read it multiple times. So even an, you know, a seasoned entrepreneur like my father you know, 11 years into his business, he, he picked up a ton of things from this book. It's kind of like a, a step-by-step guide on how to be a successful entrepreneur. So there's leadership in there, there's sales, there's time management, there's goal setting. It's just a, it's like a textbook basically for entrepreneurship. Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, I need I need to start reading some more of these books. I, like none of these books I've ever read. I'm like, probably makes makes sense though. But I, I need to. I really want to read these books. Actually, like, the Millionaire Fastlane sounds awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. What's your favorite book of all time, Jeremy? Uh, like I'd probably say, like my favorite book. I like Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. But I also like uh, like Victory Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. Mainly, mainly just because of the timing when I read it. It, it just like oh. it was a good book for me. I'm gonna have to write that down. That'll be next on my list. <laughs> but uh, I guess in closing, Mitch, um, if if you could go back to let's say 18 year old Mitch, you know, before you started Revita, and I think maybe I'm not sure what you were doing back then, but w- what advice would you tell him? I would give him the advice that start today. Someday never comes because I I know the life I wanted to have one day when I was 18 and the goals I had, and I procrastinated for too long. And in reality, I should have been launched Revita or some sort of business four or five years ago. But I used that someday excuse. I said, someday when I'm done with school, someday. And then it was someday when I've worked for a couple of years and my stock options vest, or I've saved up this much money or I have this much experience. Whereas, you know, I had some great ideas when I was 18. I should have just executed. I should have started right then and there doing one thing a day to progress with that goal. And who knows where I could have been by now, right? I feel like I'm behind the curve because I I took action too late. And I'm glad I took action when I did. But if I could go back, that's 100% what I would have told my 18-year-old self. Yeah, well, I want to thank you for coming on, Mitch. Like, Actually, I learned a lot, a lot of stuff here, like mainly just like just having that go-getter kind of spirit, that attitude. Uh, It's really inspirational, actually. Like it it just makes you realize that you can tackle like huge problems and, you know, slowly chip away at them. It's amazing. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's an absolute honor to be on this podcast. What you're doing, I think, is phenomenal. And I really commend you because starting a podcast is no different than a business. And I just listened to your very first episode where you said, you know, this is your first step up the mountain with that episode. And and you're doing the same thing. And I have no doubt you're going to get to 100 here and you're going to be a tremendous success and you're helping a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah, well, well, thanks so much. And uh, I guess uh, we'll leave you guys there and we'll see you in the next episode of the Zenfulness Podcast.